Hi, Angels. Hi, Demon. Welcome back to a brand new podcast episode. My name is T, and I'm Abby. Welcome back. Um, today is going to be a little bit of a tough Ooh. subject. Um, something that T and I have wanted to talk about for a long time. As the world knows, Melissa Benoist came out with a very powerful and compelling video about her surviving domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And everyone can can realize who this video is about. It's it's not a secret, although Melissa never named names herself. Everyone knows because the timelines add up. And we're not gonna name the name either. No. Because we don't want to add I'm I'm just gonna say her former spouse because we all know who that is. But just like Melissa did, she called this person he or him she never said names, but we all know who this was. And I actually read this on Tumblr when I was reading about this yesterday, learning more about her and her story, because I know this has been out for a while. There was a fan account for her ex, and the person that ran the account said that they are taking the account down. Down. Mm-hmm. And someone reposted it on Tumblr saying, this is how you support people going through this. This is how you be an ally. This is what you do. This is the proper way to handle things. And this person took down the Instagram, the Twitter, the website that was all dedicated to this person Mm. because of how much they love and support Melissa. And that's how you be an ally. By being supportive and, you know, trusting that Okay, there's a baby crying. I'm watching TV. Yeah. And I thought that was really powerful. Um, we're going to play the video that Melissa put out there. And it's a bit long, so bear with us. But we'll pause it and we'll talk about it. But I've written something that I want to share. Um, and... I wanted it to stay my words and, and not have to edit it down for publishing. So I thought, um, I'm going to read it out loud and I'm quite nervous. So bear with me. I am a survivor of domestic violence or IPV intimate partner violence, which is something I never in my life expected. I would say, let alone be broadcasting into the ether. He, was a magnanimous person who didn't really give you a choice not to be drawn to him. He could be charming, funny, manipulative, devious. Um, He was younger than me and his immaturity obvious. And for a period of time, I wasn't interested. I was newly single and gaining my bearings in a period of change in my life, making dumb decisions. But in the midst of that, he became a friend. A friend that made me laugh and feel less alone, made me feel special and worthwhile. And then once we started dating, it was a zero to 60 catapult. 
And I wasn't just a rag doll letting myself be swept away into a relationship I didn't want, but I was unsure about what I was getting into from the get-go, as strange as that might sound. It's still hard for me to dissect what I was thinking and feeling that kept me from stopping what felt like a runaway freight train. I was a child from a nonviolent but broken home. And the ways in which the effects of my parents' divorce manifested in me were varied, but sheer terror of a failed relationship in my own life was one of them. I also hadn't figured out that I could say no and disappoint someone and still be okay. It didn't matter that I had misgivings whether or not he was the one. At the time, it felt very good how much he coveted me, how much he seemed to treasure who I was. He loved me. I thought I loved him and I was going to make it work. The abuse was not violent at first. At first, it reared its head at me under the guise of common dysfunction coming from his insecurity and depression. He confided in me the tragedies he had experienced, the injustices and insecurities he had been dealt. It was all very real and easy to sympathize with, making it alarmingly easy to excuse when the damaged man that I felt for became too wounded to control himself. There was a lot of jealousy. He was snooping on devices. He was angry when I spoke to another man. I had to change clothes often before we went out because he didn't want people looking at me. On a birthday I spent working, I was criticized because I had to dance with a coworker. Work in general was a touchy subject. He didn't want me ever kissing or even having flirtatious scenes with men, which was very hard for me to avoid. So I began turning down auditions, job offers, test deals, friendships, because I didn't want to hurt him. None of that registered as abuse because I was worried about how he felt at that point um, to even comprehend how it affected me. In retrospect, I see that each red flag followed a very clear path on the way to things becoming violent because violence is so often preceded by mental, emotional, verbal, and psychological abuse, which are all very sneaky things. It started about five months after our relationship began and the violence escalated just as quickly as the relationship had. So quickly, I didn't know how to respond. The first time it happened, he threw a smoothie at my face. It smacked my cheek and exploded all over the floor and the sofa. I ran to grab paper towels, rushing back because I was so worried about cleaning the couch. Then the fact that it was all over my face, my hair, my clothes, and that my cheek was painful, painfully throb throbbing. I was more worried about the furniture than I was about the fact that I had just been abused. It wouldn't be easy to describe in detail the physical arguments that occurred more and more after that. It's hard to even articulate. Um, not just because of the anger and the pain that surfaces, but because the memories feel like they took place on a different planet where I was breathing different air and witnessing a macabre secret I could never tell anyone I had seen. It had to be secret for shame, for fear of more attacks, for reluctance to actually admit any of it was happening. The stark truth is, I learned what it felt like to be pinned down and slapped repeatedly, punched so hard the wind was knocked out of me, dragged by my hair across pavement, head butted, pinched till my skin broke, shoved into a wall so hard the drywall broke, choked. I learned to lock myself in rooms, but quickly stopped because the door was inevitably broken down. 
I learned not to value any of my property, replaceable and irreplaceable. I learned not to value myself. Most vividly, I remember how the arguments would usually end. There would always be a click of reality snapping back into place when he would see what he had done and a wave of guilt would wash over him. And I imagine in some sub, sub, subconscious effort to wash the both of us clean after what had just happened, he would carry me and put me in an empty bathtub, turn the faucet on and leave me while he gathered himself and I would sit in the tub as the water inched up my body surveying the damage. Insert the typical abuser's apology speech here. He'd kneel next to the tub crying, self-hating tears with me. He never made me feel like he thought I deserved the beating, which I guess eased my mind. And in turn, I still held on to the sympathy and the empathy I felt for his brokenness he admitted to having. His apologies were heartfelt and effective in getting us back to sanity and a semblance of a loving relationship. But deep down, I never believed he would change. I just fooled myself into believing I could help him. I thought that I could love him enough to make him see a way of life where violence was not the way you handled emotions. So I consciously deluded myself into thinking that forgiveness would heal him enough to make it stop. Someone had to let him know that his behavior wasn't okay. Who better than the one he was taking it out on? So I'd pull down the drain in the bathtub and down the pipes, the argument would go with its indecency, humiliation, sorrow, rage, and myself. I went down that drain every time he put me in the tub. My fortitude, my worth that he had begun to define, my blood, my multitude of tears. He once jokingly told my mother she cries enough water to end thirst in a third world country. Months and months of this routine passed. And sometimes there wouldn't be a physical argument for a month or two, and I would distrustingly rejoice in the peace, thinking maybe it's actually different now. And things were different, but not for the better. I changed, and I'm not proud of how I changed. I became a person that I never could have imagined lurked inside of me because I was livid at what was happening and the fact that I was allowing it to out of fear of failure. I experienced firsthand that violence begets violence. I started fighting back because rage is contagious. I developed an astonishing poker face, but inwardly I was the ugliest version of myself I had ever known. I became unreliable, unprofessional, sometimes unreachable. There were stretches of weeks where I wouldn't get out of bed for more than two hours a day. If you met me at this time, I was most likely friendly, just to the point of getting too close and aloof to the point of being cold. It was as if I split into spinning plates to maintain a false image versus the truth I was living. Another performance of sorts. Melissa in public put on a happy face and purported a healthy life, whereas Melissa at home dropped the veneer and lived a nightmare in the middle of one never-ending dispute, battle wounds and all. To my closest circle, I just plain lied. I made up stories of how bruises and scratches were born. I did this at photo shoots at work with my family, all to shield myself from my own burgeoning anger, protect myself from more arguments, and of course, to protect him. I knew how he was treating me was wrong, but I thought the consequences he would suffer if I exposed his behavior outweighed suffering through it. And then he threw something at my face again, only this time it was significantly worse. It was a blow to my face with his iPhone. 
The impact tore my iris, nearly ruptured my eyeball, lacerated my skin, and broke my nose. My left eye swelled shut. I had a fat lip. Blood was coursing down my face, and I can remember immediately screaming at the top of my lungs. The next morning, I was due to work on reshoots for a film. After it happened, complete stillness blanketed the room. We panicked. He put me in the bath time, but this time that wouldn't be enough. This wasn't going to be easy to hide, let alone fix, and something inside of me broke. This was too far. I couldn't flush this one down with the tug of the drain. We made up a flimsy story together. I had tripped and fallen on the stairs of our deck and hit my face on a potted plant. We called our mothers, all of our representatives, all of my representatives, who then had to call producers and directors I was working with. He drove me to the hospital. And when the ER director, doctors made him leave the room and cops came to question me at my hospital bed, I told them our transparent story that I'm sure they'd heard versions of before. And then we laughed together when he said my face was cute and looked like squirt from Finding Nemo because mm -hmm. my eye had become bulbous. This is an injury that's never going to fully heal. My vision is never going to be the same. And emotionally after that, I was done. I keenly felt that whatever I thought love was, it certainly wasn't what I had been going through. I was so tired of living the way I'd been living, but it felt too late to get out. Would it be safe for me to leave? I had ostracized myself so completely in my life that I made myself believe I had no one to turn to if I did leave him. And I was ashamed. But abuse doesn't just affect the people it's th that are in its chokehold, however. And unbeknownst to me, many people in my life suspected and feared exactly what was happening. A friend visited me where I was working. My abuser wasn't there, so she had a rare opportunity to talk to me without his looming presence. She sat me down and said she wanted to talk about something important. And I immediately knew where it was going. My heart pounded. She was nervous, shaking, afraid that it would ruin our relationship, but she bravely asked me if I was a victim of domestic violence. It was the first moment I spoke about the abuse to anyone, and I can't describe the amount of relief and solace I felt. She held me and she said, you know what you have to do now, don't you? Here's the irony about enduring an ordeal like a violent relationship. Inevitably, while terrible and irreparable damage is done to you, you build an impenetrable strength without realizing it. Finally, uttering, uttering the words that I had muted for so long inflamed that power in me. I had to get out and I took careful steps to leave him as quickly as our relationship had sped into my life. Leaving was not a walk in the park. It is not an event, it's a process. I felt complicated feelings of guilt for leaving and for hurting someone I had protected for so long. And yes, mournful feelings of leaving something that was so familiar. But luckily the people I let in, the more I was bolstered and I never lost the sense of clarity that kept telling me you do not deserve this. None of this is salacious news. It was my reality. What I went through caused a tectonic shift in my outlook on life. It taught me what love is and isn't, the strength I'm capable of, the violence I endured and yes, even tolerated, the lies I told, the protection I gave my abuser, these facets all paint the dark and sinister portrait of that time of my life. 
But recusing those habits and breaking that cycle was the most rewarding, empowering choice I have ever made for myself. I feel an enduring strength and self-assurance that has dug its roots deep within me. I will be healing from this for the rest of my life. And that's okay. And I've discovered that healing is a constant maneuvering and fidgeting to find what works and what triggers, but it is possible. Sadly, IPV is one of the most chronically underreported crimes in the country, according to the US DOJ. It's estimated that one in four women in the US ages 18 and older will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. And while it affects men as well, the numbers clearly show that it is a more prevalent women's issue and it's wildly intersectional in its reach. I want those statistics to change and I hope that telling my story might help prevent more stories like mine from happening. I choose to love. I don't choose to minimize my life out of fear. I choose to love myself, to know that love does not include violence and to let victims know that there is a way out in which you will be protected. If you are enduring what I went through and you see this, maybe you will find this tiny straw that will break the camel's back. Or at least you might begin to think of your freedom, in which case I am here. I am with you. And you can and deserve to live a violence-free life. Okay. Now that was a lot to take in. See, first I want to say, I know this was around a couple of years ago since this came out. No, this just came out a little couple months ago. Hello? Because I thought it came out, like, beginning of last year. No. Um... I just want to say she's incredibly brave. When did she? When did this come out? So I don't normally do. No, don't. Uh, November twenty seventh, twenty nineteen. So four months ago. (sighs) No one should ever be afraid to leave a domestic relationship. No. No. It, it's not your fault. Absolutely and I, not. and I can't stress this enough. I've been upset this weekend. That's another podcast episode. No one should feel like a burden you if you're in a relationship and you feel like a, you're a burden or they're blaming you for them hitting you or anything like this come talk to our dms we will reply if anyone is going through this we are here for you absolutely we are your lifeline okay but we do have to say whatever you say to us will be confidential. But if it endangers your life, 
we will have to take it further, but it will be with the right people. So, on Melissa's uh, Instagram, I just pulled up her Instagram. And she wrote this. This is this is a while ago. But she said, The long and winding road of healing and reconciliation has brought me to this moment where I feel strong enough to talk about my experience openly, honestly, and without shame. By sharing my story, hopefully I can empower others to seek help and exert themselves from abusive relationships. Everyone deserves to be loved, void of violence, fear, and physical harm. And so she put out, if you took the time to watch my story on IGTV, thank you. I'm just one of so many that have experienced IPV. One in four women are affected by it. It is never easy to reveal the most painful truths. But I've been bolstered and inspired by the women before me who have come forward about assault and abuse. I hope you are too, because there's absolutely strength, absolutely strength in numbers. If you are in crisis and need assistance to find a safe way out, call the domestic hotline. And I will put this number in our description for you guys. And I will put it, I'll put UK. Yeah, this is the US. I'll put anything that belongs to the UK on our Twitter. I've also shared the suicide hotline. Yes, I'll put this one, I'll, I'll message this to you too, so when you edit this, you can put it in there. But it's 1-800-799-SAFE. Again, that's 1-800-799-7233. Can I just... I'm really sorry. This is really inappropriate. Oh, God. But Steve just liked my tweet. Who? Steve. Oh. Can I put always be kind? Yes. Um... I experienced this in my life. I've never told anyone. I I didn't even tell you, T. And I tell you everything. Mm. I think I told one person in my life. Yeah. I dated this guy. And it was all all great. Until it wasn't. And this is when I was in college. And I had a group of friends and there were guys in there and girls in there and this guy didn't like the fact that I was really good friends with one of my best friends who happened to be a guy he hit me he had me up against the wall yeah he said, I'm a stupid bitch for having a guy best friend it's not right it's inappropriate all this and I he could it could have gotten a lot worse if I didn't get myself out Mm. I, I walked away from the situation with help because I went to class one day and I had a black eye and my teacher pulled me aside and she said are you okay and I made up an excuse so I was like no I'm fine yeah I, I just I walked into a door that's so classic she didn't believe me yeah it, that's that's like a classic I fell on the stairs I walked into a door mm-hmm. you know kind of thing And she said, I don't believe you. What's going on? So I told her. And when I told her I wasn't alone, because my best friend, who was the guy that I was really close with, who I'm still close with today. Yeah. 
he was like, he wanted to go kill this guy, but I told him not to. Because if anybody was going to go beat him up, it was going to be me. <laughs> um, but I told them, and the school documented it, and I had marks on me from faded bruises from other moments that he would get mad at me for nothing. Yeah. And he was expelled from the school because they have a zero violence policy there. Mm. I I just really want to quickly say Mm. I I know you mean looking back on it now that you'd fight this person. But you can't in that moment. Like Melissa said, you know, you can't let it happen because she didn't know any better. She didn't want to make things worse. And that's how I was. I was like, if I just let this go, things will be better in the morning. That's literally what I said to myself. I'd go to my room, put ice on my face or wherever I got hit or whatever. I'd wear long sleeves. I'd cover up. In the fucking summer when it was hot as shit. I'd be wearing a turtleneck, and my friends are like, what the hell's wrong with you? The best thing you can do is walk away. I did, and so did she. She she found her strength, and now she's with a man who loves her, and we love Christopher Wood, right? Yeah, yeah. We love him. I've loved him since Kai Parker. I love Kai Parker. Who doesn't love Kai Parker? But the way that he is with Melissa, the way that I see the love, you can just see there's a picture. There's a difference. There's a picture that I showed to Abby where they were both on stage. And there's a moment where he's looking at her while she's talking. You can see. And then the next picture, you can just see her looking at him while he's talking. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is so. It's let let let's talk about it. Let, the let, love that they have for one another is electric. You can literally f- see how yeah. much he truly loves her, and how much she truly loves him, and how she feels safe yeah. and protected. I really like, just the other guy can go die in a hole. I'm sorry, but I I don't like him. Again, we won't mention his name because why? Um, Out of respect for Melissa and the fact that she did the same thing. If she had named names, that would be a different story. We would name names. But because Melissa didn't, we are not going to. I just want to say, I find it so admirable that she found the strength. She found the strength to say, this isn't right. I need to go. Absolutely. I know people who stayed in relationships until it got, till they had to go to the police. Yeah. Or till they had a restraining order. Or till it was too late. You hear stories all the time of, Women and men. I'm not just saying this happens to women. It happens to men as well. Mm-hmm. It does not pick gender. Like I said the other day, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. 
Mm-hmm. It is not just the women that get um, domestically abused. It is not black and white. It's not all. And I, I felt like such a bitch because I believed Amber's story. I never believed it. I believed it for a little bit. Until I started looking back on that situation, which is a whole other topic we will talk about. A whole other story we'll talk about. Yeah. But I... Like, it, like, it goes to say, it's not just men, it's not just women, and it's insane that one in four women... Now, I don't know the statistics on men, I'll have to look it up. But one in four women will be in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. But then you you think of that, and I don't want to bring it up, uh. but how many of them have been sexually abused as well? Mm-hmm. Because even if it, and I can't stress this enough, consent is consent, whether you're in a relationship or not. If and I hate the line, no, and this is something I learned on SVU, is that, you can't rape your wife. You can't rape your girlfriend. Excuse you me, yes, you can. If they say yeah. no, no means no. Ladies no and gentlemen, means no. no means no. Anybody who says otherwise can fuck off because they're wrong. Yeah. Educate yourself. Watch SVU. You'll learn a lot from watching that. Mm. But. We just wanted to come on here and say, if you are having a rough time, if you're feeling any of these feelings, that it's okay to feel like this. What it's not okay, if your partner to belittle you, Uh-oh. it's not okay for them to physically, mentally, emotionally, and sexually, financially abuse you. Okay, so if anyone needs anything, like I said previously, our DMs is always going to be confidential between I'm, you and us. I'm always checking DMs, always, always. And I'm I'm, always... I'm not on our joint Twitter mo- a lot of the time, but I do go on and I do check everything. And I'm always on, always on. I mean, so and, yeah, you know, if, if, if conversations with everyone today, yeah. So if you need anything, just I have it hooked up to my phone, so I get all of your guys' notifications. Me too. I get it notified on Instagram and on Twitter, so I'm always there. Um, you know, I might not be on our our Twitter when someone messages us, but he will let me know, and I will be right there to talk if you need to. So if if you have trouble, depending on time zones, our, not just that, and our mentality. If there's something that you want to discuss, and I'm not mentally able to, or I don't have the experience to help you, Abby will. We've both been through a lot, but we've been through different things. Some similar, some not. So. If we can't help you, we will find someone who will, and someone who can, whether that be one of us, one of us, whether that be the authorities in the UK, or 
the authorities in the U.S. We will help you. That is what this. That is what we've come to do. We've said this. Remember, we said this in our very first podcast that we didn't just create this for the love of the show. We created it to talk to everybody, whether they're going through crisis, whether they're happy, or whatever's going on. We want to talk to you guys. We want you to know that you're not alone and that you have friends and allies who will be there for you. And I'd just like to quickly add, if you are in a relationship and you have had stuff happen to you in the past, if you'd like to talk about it to us so we can share your story. Let us know. We Let us know. And obviously, whatever you tell us, Whatever story, you, if you want us to speak on it, we will. But we will well, keep your name confidential. We will keep you anonymous. Yes, we unless, will. Unless, unless you, you give us permission us to speak on it and use your name. Um, I'm really sorry that this is a really deep one today. I mean, I, well, I have a story I could tell. That's It's not mine, and I, I have to keep names out of it but my friend she's not even my friend she's someone I'm related to um she's always been open about talking with it but I'm just gonna change her name okay so someone that I'm related to and I love very much was in an abusive relationship years ago mm-hmm. and wait interjecting quickly do I do I know this story? No. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. You might. And I was staying at that person's house and her ex, I walked in on this, her ex beating the crap out of her. Mm-hmm. And I was with my family and I remember running out the door and I remember yelling for the two men in my life who I trust without a doubt who were with me that day. And they came running. And I remember running back into my this person's house. And I yelled, get the fuck off her! Mm-hmm. Now, I was a kid. I was I think about 10? And this guy was six foot four versus me, little 10 year old. Mm. He turned his anger on me because I yelled at him to get off of her. Mm. He picked me up and threw me up the stairs. And you just hear me go thud all the way back down. And I screamed at him. I screamed so loud. And then the two men in my life burst in the door, picked up my friend. I'm just going to call her my friend. Mm-hmm. Got her outside. One picked me up, took me outside, and they handled this man yeah. until the police came. And he kept yelling once the police took him away. She deserved it. She deserved it. She did this. She deserved it. And the little bitch that stopped me. Referring to me. Mm. 
never again did we see this guy. He yeah. was in jail. My friend survived, and she was better. But it's... I saw it firsthand for myself. Yeah. My back was fucked for months because of that. Mm. Why well, you have problems with your back now, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. I was at the hospital with her. I had a concussion. Yeah. She had broken ribs. Yeah. He almost busted her face. I'll never forget the look on her face when she saw me come in that house. She was more in fear of me being in there than what was happening to her. Yeah. It's a scary situation that nobody should ever go through. Yeah, because what people don't realize is they had a child in their family, whether that be like you, Abby, or whether it be their child from another relationship. By um, by abusing them, they're also abusing a child. Yep. Maybe not physically like you, but but yeah, that child seeing that type of violence happen is abuse. Um, I did like to mention the reason why I know so much about this is because I work, as you know, in a care home. <clears throat> I do. So um, I I have to study safeguarding, which is a law in the UK. That anyone who's been abused has to be under, okay? Mm-hmm. So if someone came into my home, not my home home, but if someone came into the place I work and they had, I don't know, bruises and stuff like that, they'd instantly go on a record to say that they had come in like this. We have to talk... Um, photographic <laughs> evidence that they were not like this when, like they were like this when they came in, and then we throw into an investigation. That happens in um, nursing homes, care homes, hospitals, and schools, and nurseries, yep. and all of that. So I don't know what what it's like. There are there are similar things. Put into place. Yeah. But we have different types. Yeah. Okay? So, I don't know how familiar you are with child abuse in the UK. We had a case in the UK called Baby P. And this baby was abused by... Um, You can find this all online. Everything I'm talking about from now online. Um... He was abused by his mother and her boyfriend. And it was so bad that they had social workers go in and out of their home. But 
every single one of them said, oh, he's fine. He looked over. You could look He died. Said, they put an act on. Two days later, he died in hospital. Jesus Christ. I'm reading yeah. about this. He died in 2007 after suffering more than 50 injuries over an eight-month period. Yep. They're the worst one as well. Search Victoria Columbia. Columbia. So, Victoria Columbia is one that I studied for my childcare. If you don't know me, I studied um, health and social care and the child um, care for three years. Um, because that's originally what I wanted to do with my life. And there was a case for Victoria Columbia where she was sent over to the UK from, I don't know where from, I can't remember. Like I said, it's been years since I've researched this. And she was sent to live with her aunt mm-hmm. in North London, I think, somewhere around London. And um, again, it was the aunt and her boyfriend, and they were abusive to her. And she came over to learn to, for our education. And what? It got really bad. They punch her, they do all of this. But towards the end, she slept in a bin bag. Um, in her own feces, and her own urine. A hundred and twenty-eight separate injuries and scars. Yep. Jesus. And then for the last few days, she let she she um lived in a bin bag in her bathtub, and she wasn't allowed any light in the bag, I believe. And again, social workers did buckle to help her. They just claimed her as a happy child. So this is my my message to everyone listening. If someone looks like they're happy, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't judge any book by its cover. But if someone needs to talk to you, be there. Listen. You don't have to reply. You don't have to say anything to them. Just listen to them. Please, if you do anything that we ask of you, please just listen to them. Are you reading that? Are you reading her case? Mm-hmm. It's horrible, isn't it? I cried in school reading them. Horrible. And that's why we have Safeguarding Act for children, for adults, and for the elderly. Because you can't just place them all under one thing. Because a child can, an an elder can bruise a lot easier than a child or an adult. 
But yeah. There's seven different types of abuse abuse that you can get. And I think it's It's a tough it's a tough topic to discuss, but I mm-hmm. think it needs to be discussed. I'm very proud of Melissa and all of them who have and everyone who has spoke out on behalf Absolutely. of their abuse. Because I don't like printing it up and calling it domestic violence. No. It will cold heart abuse. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit if you just smack him around the face in physical abuse. Mm-hmm. If you take him, if you taking money from them, their account, it's abuse. So, there was a family friend, and I'll talk about it because their name will be anonymous, who was in a relationship, and this girl turned out to be schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. She was alright until they broke up. And she stole... £110 out of his account. Oh my god. Yeah. That's all he had. So that is a different kind of financial abuse, but it's still you know I'm sorry, it's a really um, really weird and really changing the subject, but Rami Malik I love him. Sorry. But, yeah. Well, that's a good movie. What? Hacksaw Ridge. Oh. I'm watching Night at the Museum. Nice. I'm watching the end of Hacksaw Ridge. Because Rami Malek. Because this is just one of my all-time favorite movies. Yeah. So... Remember always, we love you. You're not a burden. You are our family. Yes. And Rami Malik is hot. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I forget how hot he is every time we look at him, okay? Uh, I forgot he was even in this movie. My phone dinged as well. I think Have you ever seen Hacksaw Ridge T? Pardon? Have you ever seen Hacksaw Ridge? Who's in it, my love? He was in this? I didn't even know he was in this. That the Affleck one? No. Then probably not. Andrew Garfield, Sam Worthington. Luke Bracey, Teresa Palmer, Hugo Weaving. I'm going to say no then. Vince Vaughn. God, no, I haven't. It's so good. So I think we should leave. It's a true story. This... Oh. I think we should leave this sad 
episode for now. Mm-hmm. Before we both get mentally down. Mm-hmm. So, any last words? We love you, angels. And we love you, demons, whether you're fighting your own demons or needing needing help to glorify glorify me, the words are hard. <laughs> if, if, whether you're battling your own demons or trying to find someone to scream out your angelic powers, we're by your side forever and always. Absolutely. And may the bad demons fuck off. Amen. Uh, I was trying to do a hail and farewell thing, but that wasn't going to work. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All right, guys. Um, we're going to probably record a new one because I need to be happy. So we will see you soon. <laughs> okay. With love, angels and demons. Bye, Remember, guys. You're enough. You're awesome. We love you. We love you. Bye.